0: hello and welcome to the weekly watch podcast series i'm john briggs global head of desk strategy this series helps you cut through the noise of global financial markets with a quick take on the upcoming trends to watch everyone um i've been away for a couple weeks and thanks to giles Gale for covering for me in my absence there's definitely been several interesting developments over that period uh remember just looking back quickly we started the year with this reflation theme um backed by global optimism surrounding a synchronized global upswing so you know, with nations at different speeds and with central banks moving on different timelines, with this summer being uh, notable as the Fed heads towards taper um, and other central banks on the move. But recently, this theme's given way to more concerned outlook based on a few things. First, the Delta variant is spreading and could cause lockdowns again, or even minor restrictions that could slow activity. That China's slowing, Asian general perhaps is past peak growth. What does that mean for the manufacturing cycle? What does that mean for the commodity cycle? Are those peaking as well? Um, and even, you know, oil itself, which we've been positive on getting to levels where people are asking, is it starting to be a weight on economic growth rather than a boon to just the oil producers? And of course, you still have the Fed being incrementally, um, ever so slowly, but incrementally hawkish, or just looking towards a more balanced outlook around the inflation outlook, as we've discussed, uh, leads to less chance of a reflation surge and has helped keep lower long-term yields in the U.S., um, perhaps to the point of some discussing whether the market is saying the Fed could make a policy mistake or will fight against future inflation to the point of causing a recession. Though I think that's a little bit too far. At this point, it's just kind of re anchoring inflation expectations. But if you're re anchoring inflation expectations, that pushes back against a reflationary theme. Anyway, coming out of all the wash of all of this is less bearishness for the US dollar, because if the market's now not seeing synchronized global growth, but US exceptionalism outperformance, it's harder to maybe they have that weaker dollar narrative. Now, if we're in again, if we're in this world of rising concern, but the U.S. is seen doing better because we've progressed further on vaccinations. There's less political will and less urge to lock down, even versus say the U.K. But we've seen even as cases creep up in in Europe, like Spain and the Netherlands, there's discussions of restrictions. We're not seeing that here in the U.S. And in truth perhaps some more fiscal than we thought a month ago with the recent infrastructure bill. And now Biden's proposed $3.5 trillion budget, it's subject for another day. We don't think it'll be that big in the end, but you know, some additional fiscal. So on a relative basis, we've got the U.S. looking better. Is it full U.S. exceptionalism? Well, we'll see. But I do think that this theme has some legs, say, for the next four to six weeks. In general, we're looking at it as a Um, perhaps oversimplifying but you know the the vaccine leaders with delta variant related growth growth fears and your early central bank hikers are probably the currencies that um, you want to lean towards like us then sterling or cad but you want to do it against the euro because again this could be a dollar theme shifting around in general for the next four to six weeks key for this is going to be watch hospitalizations and deaths in the face of rising delta cases If over the next several weeks we have rising cases, but hospitalizations and in turn fatalities stay low, then I think a lot of the concerns about Delta will go away in those vaccinated nations, right? Remember, there's a lot of different um, relative vaccinated levels. So even if we come out of this, we're not going to go back to full synchronized global growth theme. You could just see that be more along the developed world with um, other areas catching up. So we do th- I do think that a lot of these fears will dissipate. And as we go into the fall, we go back to watching inflation and growth and central banks and who's, who's going to be hiking when. But there will be more of a differentiation going forward into the fall, I would say, than we had for the first three to four months of this year. So my main indecision, though, is what this actually means for riskier assets. Thankfully, I've got our global head of emerging market strategy, Alvaro Vivanco, with me to help me on that one. So, Alro, first, sticking with just emerging markets, what does that narrative and everything I just went through mean for EM? Is there anywhere investors can to take the look risk, or is it one of those times where the best trade is maybe no trade at all?
1: Thank you, John. And uh, happy to, to participate in this one at, at what we think is a critical time, right, especially for, for emerging markets. Essentially, what has happened over the last couple of weeks is that the correlation of EM currencies and to some extent EM rates to U.S. rates has shifted back to what it usually is, right? Meaning that downward expectations about global growth are not a good thing for for EM. And especially as, as you mentioned, as we are shifting away from Chinese driven growth into the U.S., we think that it's gonna be a lot more challenging for EM currencies to continue to sustain the rally. First, because of valuations and levels, right? we had a pretty good last couple of months in which everything came together. Weak uh, US dollar, central banks in EM hiking, growth kind of peaking and external accounts in a lot of countries continue to sustain the momentum because of commodity prices. We don't think necessarily those are moving to outright negatives, but we what we have been arguing is that the Delta is becoming less positive and in some cases negative. So what we have done uh, on, on our side is that basically over the last six weeks, we have reduced our exposure to emerging market currencies. We took profits or got out of being long things like the Brazilian Real, Russia uh, and Colombia. And now we are outright long dollars versus the most cyclical and the most dependent, uh, most, most uh, flow dependent uh, currencies, which we think is the Mexican peso and, and Malaysia. We think that that's the right strategy over the next few weeks. As, as you said, you know, eventually into the fall, the usual drivers will come back, but given the uncertainty that there is, that is not being reflected in volatility by the way, uh, just in terms of the Fed, uh, the reflection versus the slowdown debate, we think that the best course of action is just to be defensive uh, with these two specific recommendations over the next couple of couple of weeks.
0: Well, I'm glad you touched on that volatility point because that's something that I've been discussing, you know, for a long time. That how I think that just even in the de- de- led by developed market central banks and our inflation outlook and all that other stuff that the fall or the fourth quarter will be quite volatile. Now it seems like we might actually even get some of that in the, into the summer. Um, what about risk assets, I guess, more broadly? And I'm going to take you a little bit out of your comfort zone and only because, you know, I usually can have an opinion on just about anything. <laughs> but, um, you know, when people ask me, okay, so what does it, it all that mean for you know, say equities or risk assets more broadly. I feel like they're caught between good earnings and lower rates, still easier monetary policy. You know, the fiscal policy, the momentum's slower, but it's still, you know, there's still support versus peak growth and, and Delta fears. Um, anything you wanna share on just risk assets more broadly or what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think commodities in particular are the ones that are gonna be challenged the most, right? We have seen, again, kind of this combination of all supportive factors over the last really 18 months that is coming to a halt, um, You know, not necessarily all, all of a sudden, but eventually I think over the next few months, there's gonna be a realization that the global growth cycle is peaking. Right. And we are starting to see that being reflected in some commodities. I think that eventually also translates into global equities, right? Over time. The US, for the reasons that, that we have mentioned, and obviously the fact that we're ahead in terms of vaccinations, will probably come ahead of, of that battle. Right. And maybe there's more shift towards US assets. But but in general, I will be a lot more cautious uh, over the next uh, the next few months. Because as you say, there's kind of, it's very difficult to have a coherent story that explains all the different assets, the way they have been behaving over the last few months. What eventually comes through, I think remains to be seen, but I think we're in a period of normalization of those things between equities and rates. And I think that, you know, equities are the ones that seem a little bit lofty in terms of valuations uh, as opposed to, to the rate space.
0: Yeah. So I think along with everything else probably deserves to be maybe have a little bit more caution than before. That's great, Alvaro. Thank you for joining us. Sure. And um, everybody else, talk to you next week. Thank you.